0: to hear from one of our global outreach partners, one of our missionaries, somebody that we have partnered with in ministry um, around the world, and we have uh, a number of those, I believe 17 on the wall, out by the, between the bathrooms in the bigger hall there, and you can check those out. Um, but this ministry, really, the Blanket Makers, uh, they make these, and they give them to people in the church um, for various reasons, when they're going through a hard time or loss of a loved one, uh, different different occasions like that. But uh, they they did these quilts. They actually started that. I was uh, told this week in uh, in 2006. Billy told me, and that the the global outreach partner we have with us today, Stuart Rao, was the first missionary that they gave a quilt to. And so uh, he is, as I said in the last service, uh, I was going to say our oldest global outreach partner, but our our, our longest standing perhaps uh, global outreach partner currently that we uh, that we partner with. Um, so Stuart, you can come. But uh, I've enjoyed getting to know Stuart. Um, his uh, his heart uh, beats for the gospel, the glory of God, but it also for those he, he limps alongside of in uh, in Central and Southeast Europe, in the Balkans. And so uh, he is here to share about that with us, and also to share from God's Word. And I hope you'll be encouraged, and uh, enlightened, informed as well. So, thanks, Stuart.
1: Well, good morning. It's now 11 o'clock, and it is actually good at this time. And uh, Serbian, Croatian, uh, utra is morning, dobra is good, and I usually say to them, if it's before 11 o'clock, ne dobra, it's not good, but it is good now, it's 11, and uh, I've, like an ice cube, I've thawed out, I suddenly realized that there's real benefits in spending time with church planters in small churches, because they only have one service. excited by that. But God has been good to me, and I've really enjoyed being here and being part of what you've been doing. I came here, first of all, in 2004 when my friend Rich Carlson and his wife Marty were here uh, in the transition, and uh, I've got so many good memories of that time and subsequent times as this church has been very significant in providing in some ways, some remarkable ways. Somebody I met here um, that first Sunday morning in 2004 was very significant. We don't know where he is now, but he's been very generous um, in in that. And uh, we've got the fruits of some of that that I can see today. And uh, so I want to encourage you uh, this morning, and I have one objective, and that is that If, by God's grace, that you would walk out of this auditorium today more encouraged than you came in, not because of what I've said, but because of what God is and what he does. And that's my objective. Um, And uh, so I would ask you, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've probably asked that question, why me? Uh, I had an uncle who used to do that in a very negative way and would say, why me? It was always about, you know, whatever was going wrong with him. But on a positive sense, if you've been a Christian and the convictions of the Holy Spirit are true of revealing your own self, you ask yourself, why was I saved? Why did Jesus die for me? Uh, Perfectly good. Who am I? I don't deserve his sacrifice and his loving kindness. Perhaps you're guilty that you feel you've let him down, as I have so many times, and so many times, and continue to do. And even as we've had the communion, we've confessed even the known sins, but also the unknown ones, as as David reminds us in his psalm. Maybe you think you haven't done enough for the Lord, and that's true, because how can you? Um... How can God continue to love me when I have so little faith? Paul wrote a long letter to the Romans uh, Christians. Wrote it from Corinth, and uh, he wrote that in 56, 57 A.D. Wrote use big theological words, which we'll read about later. Uh, And so I would encourage you to open your Bibles in a minute to Romans chapter 8, which we will read. And um, he wrote to this massive capital city full of all the sin that Rome and pagans brought with them, vast uh, debauchery, idol worship, prostitution, uh, marriages that were marriages only in name and And so, so much was there. But it was a capital city where Caesar was, and the whole thrust of the Caesar was that he was God. He was to be worshipped. And so when we see Jesus Christ is Lord, it's a massive statement against the authority and the deity of Caesar, who demanded worship from both citizens and slaves alike. And... uh, the reason he wrote this letter was to instruct the new believers that they should accept one another in Christ, irrespective of whether they were the Jewish minority who had tried to keep the law, who believed that the law, and believed that they were special in that respect, even now as Christians, or that legacy, or the majority Gentiles, that actually they were all equal on account of Christ's sacrifice, his suffering. And his resurrection. So we go back to why me. We live in the most self-obsessed generation. And on Thursday night I reminded the Life Group that there are 93 million selfies taken every day. Can you believe that? Um, It's mind-blowing. I have a problem taking a selfie. I'm kind of uh, an IT dinosaur. Um but you know if you look and Facebook or Facebook as I call it because you don't really have friends, you just have these fake friends, um and um Instagram, TikTok, chat box, all those things. And you look even in the magazines in the you know, petrol stations or what you call gas stations, um there's so many things that are different. You know, you speak another language to me, I'm just trying to communicate this morning. Um And the whole thing is, it's all about the ideal body. You know, the men's health where you can get a six pack in three weeks if you do this. And as I said earlier, I have a six pack under here. Um, It's a long time since I've seen it. Um, But uh, you've got all this, this trap of self-obsession and this beautiful body and the beautiful... And I have an identity. I am important. Um, and so we've got that. But we're also subject to the influence of the Greeks because the Greek uh, philosophy was very much individualized. And we've individualized the gospel, really. And it's impacted our thinking. So it's all about me. I believe that, really, the gospel is like this, that it's me... Jesus' sacrifice, we have this horizontal relationship, but then ultimately, it's to the king, to God. What we've done is we've truncated the gospel. If you can remember your uh, your geometry, you know, we we finished up with a trapezoid, and I'm really pleased with these lines and everything, because I'm a construction engineer, or I was. Um, I've probably forgotten more than I know now, and I'm incredibly dangerous. But, um, you know, looking at even the... Compass there, sadly it hadn't been sharpened, so it wouldn't really make a nice, good circle. It would make a big, wide one. Um, you better get that one sorted out. It's not quite right. Um, but the idea is there, of this geometry, and that is what I think we're in this morning: is the geometry of God's purposes and the perfection of that. And Paul wrote to these churches. He wrote to churches, not individuals. He wrote to a few individuals pastoral letters and to Philemon, um, but primarily to Galatia and to Philippi and to Corinth and Thessaloniki and to Rome. There were churches, and that's why we should read the Word of God together as a church and, and have this communal understanding of the Scriptures rather than individual, what does it do for me? And so over the last... 25 years or 30 years I've been over that now in Christian ministry. I've read this chapter 8 many times, sometimes in desperation, particularly when my son started to get involved in, in drugs. And I can remember just crying out to God, you know, just yelling to God, other times worshiping, other times in wonder. And at the beginning of the pandemic, perhaps in May, April, May, I was reading through chapter 8 to, as it were, reinforce my own convictions that even whatever was happening in the world was not an accident of Wuhan and, and a few, whether it was deliberate or whether it was an accident, God was sovereignly in control, that he wasn't asleep. He didn't happen to miss a beat and something happened. And as I read through the chapter, I was just blown away by verse 29 and that's what i really want to do and i i sort of meditated on that now meditation now has got this sort of rather mystical idea you know and for christians some people have got a little room and some people have got almost a candle they like actually meditation is very simple it's what women do really well worry that's all you've got to do it can't get in out of your mind um We as men move on to the next page. But I think that's what it is. It's something that you can't get out of your mind. And so this something that really gripped me. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn amongst many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. So we're going to read from verse 22. Of chapter 8, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes what he sees? who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, and for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say? To these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Whoso bring any charge against God's elect, it is God who justifies. These are phenomenal words. And they're huge, big theological um, meanings behind them incidentally theology is not mystical at all it's just the study of God and we should all be theologians we should all be studying God's character because that's what we live in um, because of his grace and so this these words as we look at here in terms of foreknowledge, predestination and... Calling and being justified and glorified are like a gold necklace. These are major nuggets of gold laced together that you couldn't buy in a jewelry. These are eternal truths. And the only way, as a picture that I have and others, I've borrowed it from others, is this necklace of these great jewels, these great chunks and nuggets of gold was also an interesting word here that we read earlier about adoption i've had an insight into adoption recently because i have eight biological grandchildren and one that is being adopted we're almost in that final stage uh of that john comes from difficult background his parents his birth parents biological parents were drug addicts um father's passed away recently with a massive overdose. And John will acquire my son-in-law's name, Coles. He will have acquired family habits already. His behavior is being toned down and changed. He's introduced to the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes when they're with us and I want to pray before we eat, John has to pray. I mean, so wonderful for a four-year-old. And he would have all sorts of behavioral changes that my daughter, who's very, very good at that, is bringing on him. And along with his two sisters uh, and the love uh, of parents. Incidentally, my grandchildren call me gramps um, when my eldest granddaughter was just a few hours old. My daughter said, what do you want to be called? And I said, Gramps, because there will be bad days when they can call me Grumps. And uh, so all of them them at various times have said, Gramps is silly. Uh, And that's perfectly true. That's quite prophetic. Um, uh, But John has acquired a grandfather who loves him. He's been adopted, he's being adopted, but he will never have Paul and Fiona's DNA. We're acquiring and in Christ have acquired the DNA of the Lord Jesus Christ. What love! My daughter and son in law love John with all their hearts. We've been adopted. And brought into that relationship, and John didn't choose to be a coals, but he's been chosen. And so we've got these great words, and I'm not going to go into them in any depth, as people here that are far more capable of unpacking that than me. But the first is for new. He for new us. God's personal look into the future to save individuals, not based on their own merit or on their faith, but his desire to bring them into relationship with him. That God has had a desire to bring us into a relationship with him, knowing us more than we know ourselves. Seeing us in our depravity, the total depravity where sin has corrupted every fiber of our being. And he did that before he made the world. And he and his son determined that they would bring into the throne room of heaven us and millions of others who would worship for eternity because that's the purpose. And he predestined us, that gracious act of God before creation, as I say, to choose people for salvation, not because they had merit or didn't, But because they would be conformed to the image of his son. John is being conformed. We will ultimately be totally conformed to the likeness of Jesus because of his sovereign good pleasure. That is amazing. You may struggle with that. If you do, that's okay because God understands. I would suggest to you that reading the first two chapters of Ephesians do help us to understand those big uh, words and those big thoughts, those big truths that come through. But he also called, and, and that's a legal term meaning that God summons through the witness of the reading of his word and the preaching of his word and speaking into our hearts by the Holy Spirit is actually taking strangers and enabling them to respond to the goodness of his love and his mercy and his planning and his sacrifice of his son. And by the kindness only through the Holy Spirit can we come into that relationship. And then he Paul uses his other word, justified, another legal term, that instant act of God, when he declares a sinner is not guilty we have a friend who's a high court judge and to declare that person before them in the dock as not guilty is a tremendous relief to that individual can you imagine we have been declared not guilty when we are guilty but we've made been made not guilty because of the foreknowledge and the predestination and the calling And we've been justified by God and ultimately be glorified. That the believer's final condition will be like the character of Christ, our older brother. So our sinful DNA will be utterly, completely changed, conformed to the image of his Son. Amazing truths that being in harmony with the mind of God, similar, identical. And so our verse makes it very clear, there's going to be a res- restoration of the family likeness. That's the amazing thing. And so when a baby is born, so many, you know, people say, oh, he's like his mom, or he's like his dad, or he's like nobody. Um, and, you know, that's the sort of question that goes on, isn't it? And here I think we have an opportunity to. As it were, from see from Scripture, and look forward to the time when we're going to be transformed into the image of His Son. And that is not just for our own good; it's for God's good and for God's glory. We've been saved for His own glory. If you go to Ephesians chapter one verse twelve, that has. And I would encourage you to just listen to me as I read from. Revelation chapter 5, as we look forward way into the future, as John on the Isle of Patmos is giving us his forward look uh, by the Spirit of God. And When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, the Lord Jesus, before hold, each holding a harp and gold bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and with your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nations. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. This, I think, is an insight into the purpose of mission. I think John Piper says we have mission now because we don't yet have worship. Purpose of mission is to bring home a bride for Jesus Christ. And that's a great privilege. And you're part of that. And I'll come to that in a moment. And so I would encourage you as we uh, look at the pictures that I'm going to show now. To see that how God has wrapped up his word. Not for our study and just for our academic and cognitive understanding, but rather that we would be caught in awe and wonder of what we one one day will be as we are part of that rolling video of the redeemed, as God reveals his purposes in redemption. And as this world is burnt up and reconstituted in the new heavens and the new earth, of which we, if we know Lord Jesus Christ, in a a way of personal relationship, we will enjoy him forever. So I'd ask you to take from the macro of God's word to a little bit of the micro of my experience and my own privileges to serve in a hard part of the world. And actually... Europe is the hardest, most lost continent in the world. Uh, and the Balkans, where I have the privilege to serve, is some of the most unreached part of the most unreached continent. Um, and so you've got a picture of my wife and I, as I said earlier, before Anai Domini finally took over. Um, it's uh, an older picture, and I'm very glad to actually look a bit younger than I am. Can we have the next one, please? Incidentally, I have an amazing wife. Now, I know that everybody says that, but, you know, um, I think it was Nate Saint who died in the 50s in Ecuador under the Orca Indians. He said that God had given him a wife with a head like a filing cabinet. Um, My wife is very organized. Um, I by nature are probably less Um, uh, and she does all my expenses looks after the bank and all that stuff um, because I'm not there some of the time but she shares the call of God in my life we met in college together Um, she comes from Northern Ireland and that's where I live now Um, and uh, I just can't believe that God's given me a home economics teacher, somebody who really can cook. It's wonderful. And I do go to other people's houses, not here, um, where they can't. (laughs) So it's all the more grateful. But one of the things that she's really good at is hospitality, and we have a lot of um, single people and and widows in our home. And um, I think that's an essential part, also a cat, trait of, of, for church planters to have to be hospita- hospitable. So I'm going to look a little bit at the past, the present, and the future. And uh, we can't look at uh, the Balkans and Eastern Europe as a whole without seeing the hand of communism right from the Bolkovich Re- Revolution um, and right the way through up until the fall of the war in 1989. Uh, but the spirit of so much of that still lives on. I, a few months ago, uh, last month actually, I was in uh, Warsaw. I hadn't been in Warsaw and Poland since 1968 when I smuggled Bibles when God lit a flame in my heart for Eastern Europe. And I was able to go back with my wife and a friend. And this building was what the Russians built as to give a gift to the Poles to tell them every day they were subjected to this, to the Soviet Union and to the the Warsaw Pact. It was a sick joke, really, of all this. But this building, which is quite a a monument almost to the past, and which they daren't tear down. Was also a reminder to me that that's where I was in '68, and a lot has taken place since then, um, since I was 22. And uh, one of the places in Poland that I go to, and and uh, Caleb and others have been there, and and, uh, is Krakow. And Krakow is this large city in the south, which used to crown the kings of Poland, the royal city, Uh, and in the centre of the Square is the large wool hall, which is now full of shops and and places to buy all sorts of jewelry and and various other souvenirs. Um, But the next uh, slide is is one of the square, or piece of the square in in, uh, Krakow, which is the largest square in Europe. And this is a reminder twice a day by uh, Polish-Ukrainian people of them pleading with Polish people to remember the war, to remember the issues, to give and to, to be hospitable to Ukrainians. But Ukrainians have flooded into Poland, and one of my f- colleagues, a friend, a guy that I've coached and walked alongside a Ukrainian who speaks perfect Polish, who's planting a church uh, in Krakow, has had so many Ukrainians... They ran last year a VBS for ten weeks. Can you imagine that with Ukrainian kids? Um, and they've got a whole. And the church has quadrupled uh, over this time. And, and so again, Romans eight twenty eight comes in to k- kicks in here that God has eternal purposes. But putting it now into the individual, what I do as a, a pastor to National missionaries and pastors, and coming alongside. Um, when I started to look in the early 2000s at these isolated individuals who had not no home church, no sending organization, really no uh, network, and I recognized that it was vast, and I didn't know really how to do that. I had a vision for what it of the of the need and, and to do something, but the detail. Um, has not been the case. And so I would say to you, I'm not a strategist. What I have done to my testimony would be being in the way the Lord led me. And so we've moved from the big field to looking at these connections. You look inside one of these boxes that telecommunication guys look at, tons of connections of which I have no idea, but they all are linked to a number. And I've asked God to show me some of those numbers. Um, And so um, looking back into the analogy of a field, looking at individual plants rather than the massive growth and looking at individuals. Some of those individuals are here. You recognize two people on the right-hand side that came to our Pastors to Pastors retreat in uh, in May. The guy on the left that's uh, the sort of more dominant face from the selfie um, is Kostya. Kostya is a Ukrainian. I met him in 1995 in Crimea. He was the director of Biblical Education by Extension. Um, his family lived there, but they've he would left, um, and they've had to become Russian citizens, hoping to get their Ukrainian identity back before too long. The guy that with his thumb up is Alan Kurchmar. He really looks after my car and and keeps things ticking for me. He's a Slovene, he was a drug addict, and he and his wife met in a bar when they were way out, and he amazingly came to faith in Christ. And He was one of the first that I was able to bring to Belfast Bible College. And I asked him, sitting outside a coffee shop in Muskosopata in the east of Slovenia, and if you don't know where Slovenia is, it's the top country of former Yugoslavia. And if you looked at it, it looks like a chicken. And the and eastern part is up in the head, and that's where these guys are, um, these first two. The next one is, is Bostin. He's a church planter in Maribor, second city in Slovenia, beautiful place. Um, Slovenia is considered to be like the Switzerland, little Switzerland. And... Uh, He's a church planter, he's, he's Slovene, his wife is a Croat, and at one time all he owned was on the back seat of his car. Um, these guys haven't got fathers, and I've had the privilege of being considered as a father to them. But as every teenager gets to the point where they think their parents don't know anything, probably some of them are less dependent on me than they used to be, which is a good thing. Um, but we have this wonderful relationship, Sebastian in the white T-shirt. Um, his father died um, in Germany working, um, of, and uh, he is a church planter as well in the western part of Slovenia near Lake Bled. And um, so these are my little bit of a, a snapshot of the, the cohort that I have the privilege of walking with and, as Caleb said, limping with. Next one. Novitsa and Tamara. Novitsa is the guy. Tamara is uh, the daughter of Branko, who you su- have, some of you supported, a um, church planter from a long time ago uh, in uh, southern Serbia. Uh, and they were with us in our home for a week and a half last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, raising support um, in Northern Ireland. And Novitsa is a very, very handy guy and can fix anything, um, but he's now more and more involved, not only in the camp, which we're going to see in a moment, but also uh, in the little church that met earlier today, 10, 15 people maximum. And in 2005, when I first went, uh, when I, well, 1995, when I went through their, their town, they weren't living there then, um, I discovered there was 50,000 people in this town, no church. And I remember saying, sitting at the stoplights, to my colleague, there needs to be a church here. And uh, Tamara's mum and dad and she and her husband moved to Zayachar in 19, 2005. And there's a church there now. And these are small, smaller than small. Um, but and, and this is why these people are so isolated and lonely. And they came to Northern Ireland and... and Spent time with me going around some churches and meeting Christians, which they were blown away by. And the Sunday they went back, they told me there were people crying in the churches. They told people were praying for them. And I think one of Satan's greatest devices is isolation and making us feel like Elijah said, I'm the only one left. Next, please. Next. Next. So this couple here are new to me, are newer to me. I I heard about them. They live in Postonia, in the western part of Slovenia, and uh, and uh, Andrea, the guy, came became a Christian through seeing apparently a random YouTube, and he was just knocked out by the gospel. Um, They're very conservative Christians. Uh, I identify with them there's some issues and things um, he's got no church background or anything and so I'm starting to walk with him uh, particularly in that journey he's an elder in a small church uh, in northern um, Slovenia and uh, I'll be spending a few uh, couple of days with them and in their church which I've never been to um, next month um, and Part of that purpose of introducing you to us, a picture, is that I'm hopefully be able to raise support for them, uh, either here or elsewhere, <laughs> wherever that is. I've got no presumption on that, but just bringing them into a wider circle of people who love the Lord and have got a heart for mission. And this was our last pastors' to pastors' gathering, which uh, Caleb and Linda were at. Um, in serbia we're moving probably to northern serbia next may where we bring pastors from northern ireland and elsewhere together with um, local uh, christian workers to encourage them and and to grow together and have mutual encouragement not teach them and us but rather come together Uh, and that's really important to them and it's so amazing to see the joy Um, as people come together for fellowship in this way. So we met at Camp Tinnok, which is uh, a property that was bought in 2004 through the generosity of a church in uh, Hickory in North Carolina. And uh, it's been developed and got dormitories, um, meeting hall, kitchen, places that are really necessary, quite basic, but nevertheless quite comfortable. And uh, at that, pastors to pastors gathering, a friend of mine, Mark VanderWerf, who comes originally from Michigan, um, taught on the full armor of God. How really important that actually we all wear the, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and have that sword of the Spirit always there um, because of the need or because of we have an enemy. And I think one of the things is we have so concentrated perhaps on the attributes and the character of God that we've negated in our Christian uh, conservative world the the fact that we have an enemy. Uh, and it's important that we're on a guard. And I think when you look at these places which are so resistant to the gospel, that Christian workers are so vulnerable. Next. It's just a picture of our group. It was quite small. And at this point... I'm regaling them from the front, and I think making them laugh. Next, we have lots of time of personal contact, and here this older man in the front there, and Leslie Patterson, who lives in Northern Ireland, is a member of our board. He's um, here talking to um, somebody and, and encouraging them, and Leslie's an encourager. Um, Yesterday, he sent me a text uh, wishing me um, God's blessing today, and I've sensed that and felt that. Next, and uh, here's a man and his son. Who, the one on the right is obviously eating too much pork, um, and his son's 16. He's amazing. This guy just blew us out because he's taken to TikTok and produced these evangelistic videos for reaching his own peers obviously some of his school friends have really abandoned him and felt he's very serious but um i just love these young men um and we've got to look for this next generation beyond the ones that i showed you that's what i'm particularly interested in and so there's always have to be food prepared but we cannot understand Eastern Europe without understanding this historical religious background, particularly in the Orthodox Church, which has no knowledge of the Bible but calls the book the holy scriptures, and yet people know nothing about it. They're caught up in icons and iconology, big churches like this, and monasteries with priests and and, and monks and but no sense of the the, the redemption of the gospel, this is a barren, hard, ignorant places where Satan has got to capture hearts, not through apparent paganism, but through religion of a kind. But we can't understand also Eastern Europe, without understanding its, its obsession with death, um, that graveyards are just full of, of um, very elaborate graves. Uh, In Serbia, there are tables at gravesides and food that people come and and they they visit the dead and they leave food and they leave even alcohol for the dead to drink. I mean, it is so superstitious. And this is Europe and burn candles, uh, so many candles in Catholic and and, and, um, Orthodox churches. These are death notices. It's just like, you know, looking at the newspaper or whatever, people who've died. But you can't understand also without some of the other communal activities of coffee. I mean, this is real coffee. I mean, in fairness, what you call coffee is closer to shower water. Um, but these are cheap. this is not expensive. It's great. And you can't understand... Uh, without understanding the history of war. I mean, the Balkans have been known as the powder keg of Europe where First World War started in Sarajevo in 1914 when the Austrian prince, Archduke Ferdinand and his wife, Sophie, were murdered by Um But you can't understand Eastern Europe without its love for food. Um, and the next one will be a, a church picnic after in... A Baptist Church in Chakovitz. Uh, I preached there on the um, Pentecost Sunday. had a wonderful f- food afterwards. And also the black humor. Hugo was like a a, a car that was made in Yugoslavia. Real men die without airbags. But also, this one caught my attention too. Sad, isn't it? Because that is the real, one of the atheistic war that we're fighting now. Children identifying as kittens and people identifying as something else and denying that God made them and their gender was determined by a creator. So we're back to these large fields and the next one's going to be these small plants. Next one, please. This is a picture in our own town that I took um, of the salmon leap and the salmon race there. And, and so often I have to say to you that over the last years, it's felt like swimming against the stream. It's felt like obstacles were there. And yet God in his goodness and grace has given bridges and and ways into that community. Um, And this cohort of people that I have the privilege of coming alongside in Slovenia and Croatia and Bosnia and Serbia and Kosovo and Albania and then up into Slovakia and Poland. Incredible privilege, I think. I was described as the oldest... uh, partner here well i'm the oldest probably (laughs) um and i just have to pinch myself that at my tender age i still have this amazing privilege of coming alongside these guys and encouraging them in their church planting so i'm not a church planter i'm a limb of a church planters just a limb and so this I believe, is essential to understanding. It's the essential part of what we read in in Romans 8, that nothing touches me that has not passed through the hands of my Heavenly Father. Nothing. Everything I endure is designed to prepare me for serving others more effectively. Everything. And so I have a few quotes because I love quotations. First is from George Bernard Shaw, that reasonable men adapt themselves to the world. The unreasonable... One's persist in trying to adapt the world to to themselves. Therefore, all progress depends on unreasonable people. Church planters are unreasonable. They're unreasonable. People do not understand why they would move away from security. John Piper says there's three kinds of Christians uh, when it comes to world mission. Zealous goers, zealous senders, and you're a part of that as senders and disobedient. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who I had the privilege of hearing preach many times, a Welshman of great renown, few advantages in growing old. However, one is the greater perspective on God's providence. And the fourth is from Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's been my privilege this morning to encourage you from God's word and encourage you from what God is doing in a little piece of the world that I am involved in. And I want to encourage you that God is great. God is good. and God is doing what he promised to do and bring home a bride for his son, Jesus.
0: Thank you, Stuart. I told the last service that was my email address was he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose at juno.com. My first email address. Linda made me change it. So I guess it was too too long. Thanks. Anyway, let me pray for pray for Stuart real quick. And then the, the worship team will close us out. So, Father, God, we thank you for Stuart and his ministry. We thank you for his his uh, just years of, of commitment to uh, walking alongside of these guys in very difficult places. And, uh, and advocating for them, really, um, to other churches, our church and others, um, seeking resources to help them, but also just being a, a mentor and a father to them. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for his faithfulness, Lord. We pray for he and, he and Elsie, just for their uh, continued health, and just, uh, Lord, that you would continue to provide for their needs as well. Uh, and, Lord, provide the strength that he needs as well to continue on uh, for as long as you have for him in this uh, in this work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.